Welcome to Naomi's Table, a Bible-based program just for women where seasoned Naomi's nurture young roots with real scriptural food for the spirit, encouraging and equipping your walk in biblical womanhood. Grab a Bible, pull up a chair, and invite your friends. There's plenty of room at Naomi's Table. Welcome to Naomi's Table. This is a program and a ministry connecting women who want to explore biblical womanhood while learning to trust the truth of God's Word. I'm Amy Spreeman, along with my co-hostess, Nancy LeMay. Hey, Nancy. Hey. You know, in just a moment, we're going to be talking about something called visible integrity. Nikita Titus will be doing that in a few moments. And then in our second segment, we're going to be staying the book of Samuel, First Samuel, with our teacher, Beth Seifert. Now, remember, our Bible stays are the most important thing we do here at the table and we have a lot of them now on our website naomistable.com we've got some old testament some new testament there's study notes there so it's really all ready for you to get a group of folks together and do your own bible study yes and in our next segment after that nancy and i always break it down and uh, talk a little bit more about what you've just heard and, and that just really helps us uh, do those applications help us grow as women in his word but you know in this first segment, we always do something topical, and we talk about the things that women are dealing with. And I'll tell you what, uh, all this week, we've been talking about uh, Titus 2 and the woman there. And, and when you talk about Titus 2, Nancy, as we've been doing, and you've uh, wonderfully pointed out, we need to go back to the beginning of that uh, that verse that we've been covering and talk about what is expected of the men, because Likewise, it says, so shall you women. So uh, why don't we go back and review what Titus 2 is all about? But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their husbands that the word of God may not be reviled. Mm. And, you know, we've been taking little sections of that all week. And so this Friday here, we thought what we'd do is talk about that part about the sound doctrine and teaching what is good, that that visible integrity. And that's really kind of the responsibility of uh, women who've been in the faith for a while. Uh, That's that older woman teaching the younger woman, not necessarily older in age, uh, but older in the faith, because we all need somebody to mentor us and uh, and help us to grow. And ideally, these would be women who have been there, done that, bought yeah. the T-shirt. So they've had kids, they've raised kids, they've uh, had marriage uh, as a big part of their life, perhaps, and can really help teach these younger women. How do you respect your husband? How do you support yeah. him? How do you help him be the spiritual leader of your household? How do you discipline your children in love? How do you train them up in the way they should go so that when they are older, they will not depart from that? So there's a lot to that. But even if these women have never been married or never had kids, if they are mature in the faith, they have gained a lot of wisdom through their walks. And it really, when you talk about visible integrity, it really is walking the talk. 
Yeah, and oftentimes your walk can speak louder than the words that you use because people look to you, other women look to you, and uh, they are watching. And so if you're one of the older women in the faith, and, and we'll, we'll just call you seasoned, I, I think that's a good word. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you think about it, that is our duty as older women in the faith is is to help pass that seasoning, that salt, if you will, uh, to the younger generation. Really, that's the model uh, that we have here at Naomi's Table. And so uh, I, I guess our lives need to uh, to model that behavior that we want the younger women to see and then to emulate. And really, Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, when he says, Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. So it's really the yeah. responsibility not just of older women in the church, but of every mature believer to do that for the younger generations. And we're not talking just kids. We're talking about the newer Christians. Yeah. And so, therefore, you're not just teaching uh, life skills, you know, how to navigate this as a, a godly woman about a uh, you know, child raising and being a good wife. You're also talking about sound doctrine, and that's what it says in Titus 2 here. Uh, Paul charges uh, Titus, you must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. And then, of course, likewise, women teach what is good. And so what does that mean? Why is sound doctrine so important? Well, that is the foundation of our faith. We need to talk about those uh, foundational truths that we all believe in and that we we must uh, pass along to the next generation of Christians. And I don't know if uh, some of you were listening this morning, those of you who are listening on the radio right now, um, we actually did a program this morning on our other program, Stand Up for the Truth, and we had a guest, uh, Chris Roseboro, uh, over at uh, Pirate Christian Radio. He's got a show called um, Fighting for the Faith, and we talked about the Apostles' Creed and what that is. And and even though the Apostles didn't really write the Apostles' Creed, uh, it really goes to what uh, the heart of what Christians believe. And uh, so if you missed that, you'd like to catch that, uh, we've got that linked up on Naomi'sTable.com, or you can just go back to StandUpForTheTruth.com and listen to that conversation, because what's happened in the modern, postmodern church is that a lot of these... uh, pastors are not teaching the Apostles' Creed, and some of them, as we found out, don't even believe it. And so we're getting away from sound Christian doctrine. We need to understand what that is. Now, um, the Apostles' Creed was written about 150 years or so after uh, all of the original apostles had died. Uh, But, you know, those of you, you can probably remember it. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived in the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father Almighty, whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic, and by the way, that small C church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. And that's what many churches have been preaching for centuries. That was kind of the way that you um, uh, used the Apostles' Creed to say, this is what the Christians believe. So good teaching is certainly a part of this, but there are other parts too, and it all really revolves around 
uh, teaching what you're already living out, being that living example. So what is the life of one of these uh, mature women, older women who are supposed to be teaching others going to look like? Well, their life is going to be daily placed under God's control in all areas of their lives. So in other words, their tongues are under control. Ooh, that's a big one. Yeah. Their appetites are under control and their habits are under control. They're not going to overindulge themselves. They're not going to be overweight gluttons, and they're not going to be pleasure hungry, and they are not going to be malicious talkers. You're never going to hear gossip out of their their mouths. You're never going to hear vain talk or criticism or things like that out of their mouths. It's going to be a speech that is really wholly reverent, yeah. uh, respectful, and they're going to be really concerned with edifying the lives yes. of others, not with tearing down. Right, exactly that, Nancy, that that attitude, that godly attitude that uh, we wish we all had. You see that coming as fruits pouring out of women who've been doing this for a lot longer than, than many of us have. And I'll tell you what, the other thing is that, that uh, attitude of serving others, serving others, putting other people's needs before themselves. You'll always see that. There's a word that you don't hear often, very often anymore. It's actually, I believe, in the Proverbs 31 wife. And that is the word noble. Ah, yes. Noble. They're going to be noble in everything and in the way they live their lives. And they're going to also teach by their actions what is good. Yes. And what is good? So we've talked about the doctrine. We've talked about the teaching. Um, and this is a fruit of the spirit that you, that you can see coming from these women. All of the fruits of the spirit, as you know, uh, come from those who have been who have allowed the Holy Spirit to uh, transform their lives. And when we talk about transformation, we talk about that not as a work that we do, but that the Holy Spirit does. And, and how does that happen when we yield, when we're willing to yield and when we abide in Christ? And when you have children and maybe you're a, a young Christian, you are probably looking for some assistance there, yeah. some guidance, some advice, someone who's been there, someone who knows that the terrible twos don't last forever, <laughs> someone that knows that, you know what, your 12-year-old or 14-year-old, they're going to grow out of those hormones and they're going to be just fine. And all of a sudden, you're not going to be the dumbest person on the planet. <laughs> you're going to all of a sudden get your IQ and your brains back. Well, And you know, Nancy, I, I think about all those women who have coached me over the years and and I just really appreciate them and, and what they've done for me. And they have taught taught me how to walk through some basic things that, boy, you know, there there are books for that, but not books that really are, uh, uh, they, they don't take the place of godly women who've been there. And there is nothing like that. And I'll tell you what, if you are uh, somebody who just uh, maybe you've moved and you're, you're feeling kind of isolated, as many of us are, uh, there's a place that you can meet other women who can help you out. Hopefully, uh, you can find that in your church. But let's say that you um, aren't finding that in your church or you just want to meet some other women. There are women who are exactly where you are and exactly where you want to be. And they are waiting there. We, we've got them all around us at uh, 
Naomi's Table Google Plus group. And, and there are many groups of women. This particular group is is committed to helping to um, bring us back under uh, scripture because a lot of us will bring in our opinions and our feelings and that kind of thing when we when we share things. And, uh, the, you know, we're, we're just uh, dedicated to saying, you know what, let's see what God has to say about that and go from there. And, it, and it's such a loving group. If you want to know more, uh, you just search, sure, just go to our website, uh, naomistable.com, and uh, find out what that community is all about. And once again, you don't have to have had children to be able to help women and guide them. There are so many young women out there today who were not raised under a biblical family model. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of broken families and a lot that were raised in either a church setting where it was all ritualistic and there really wasn't any spirit to it. Uh, and no truth or no church at all. And that was your situation really growing up is, is you went to a church that, that really was not Christian or, or in any way biblically based at all. It was a Unitarian church. I I just remember asking my family, what do we believe again? And uh, really it was, it (laughs) was whatever you want to believe. (laughs) And you know, that, that was seen as noble at the time, you know, let's, it was part of the whole sixties generation of let's have kids and let them decide. Um, and that was something that a lot of people valued. But what happened was uh, we didn't we weren't raised with doctrine. And so when you get to a certain age and uh, you want to find out what doctrine is, it makes it harder. Yeah. And uh, so but, you know, thankfully, um, uh, that's turned around. But but a lot of us uh, hunger we just do. We, we hunger for that doctrine and we, we want to know because those are the foundations of our faith. And from there, uh, we have so much freedom in Christ to be able to explore the things that we need to to grow in him. And I do sense that there is a great hunger out there for that uh, because of those generations that have not been raised like that. It it almost is the um, it's the exception. If you were yeah. raised like that, then it is the rule. So every godly woman has the opportunity to teach the younger generation of women in the church. Now, this could happen informally, you know, sitting around having coffee. Mm -hmm. Uh, It could be one-on-one. It could be in small groups, or it could even be in women's Bible studies. But the important thing is that this instruction is both by word and example. Amen. And I'll tell you what, uh, we, we've talked about having spiritual moms before. If you're a spiritual mom, that is a wonderful thing. And I know, Nancy, you uh, have several spiritual daughters who are uh, just growing under your tutelage. And, and there are seasons to that. Sometimes we, we have several at once. And sometimes there's a, a season where we don't have anybody and we're not discipling anyone. But that is really the goal, to make sure that spiritual moms and spiritual daughters are, are growing in relationship and that, that sweet, sweet fellow. Uh, there's a, a whole uh, trust thing that happens where uh, once you, and, and the reason that you would have a spiritual daughter is so that she in turn can grow in the faith and mature. And once she is seasoned, she can begin to have her own spiritual daughters. It's kind of how that works, isn't it? You betcha. We are designed to replicate. Yes, we sure are. Oh, boy. And and so Titus is so uh, rich and full of that kind of model. And, and I just really appreciate this teaching because uh, we need to be able to um, have those older, younger women together. Now, um, if you do have kids... Those are your spiritual sons and daughters. And of course, you know, that's the priority. We need to be teaching them, training them up well. You're right. And 
many times outside your homes is going to be where your opportunity is. If you don't have kids, uh, you know, if you do, you're right. They are your primary responsibility. Yeah. But if you don't, you may need to reach outside your home and, and really share what you've learned with those who would profit from it most. So yeah. look around. Is there a mom with kids that looks like she needs help? I bet you you're probably going to find one. But Nancy, you know, there's another group of, of people who need to hear our teaching, and that is the teenage girls, the young girls who you might not have teenage daughters, um, but those are the ones who are now kind of separating themselves from their own moms and, uh, and because you know that just has to happen that independence thing that that does happen so uh, maybe they're not going to listen to advice from their own moms and or if they do they just kind of take it with a grain of salt and roll their eyes uh, not that I'm speaking from experience but sometimes somebody outside of the family um, you know if it's not a grandma maybe a, a neighbor lady or, or somebody from your church coming along and saying you know I'd love to take you out to lunch sometime love to hear what young people are thinking today mm. that would be just uh, it, that would be huge. I, I just think uh, uh, women, young women, young girls would just light up if we paid that much attention to them. So you're saying that the phrase a prophet is never revered in his hometown is true at home as well. <laughs> well, only from experience, I can say yeah. that. You oh, know, I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. I think that it is easier for us to get advice from people that are not immediately close to us. Because sure. sometimes when you have that that relationship, that too much familiarity, uh, it it really bristles us to have to listen to and take that kind of advice. Well, you know, and it kind of comes at the same expense of, uh, well, you know, um, uh, pick up your laundry off the floor, and now I'm going to give you some some valuable nuggets of advice. It's really that that kind of uh, uh, tension there. <laughs> and maybe that's it. Maybe it isn't. I don't know how that works in, in other people's homes, but I just know that um, I value the other women who've come along and, and uh, put their arm around my daughter and said, I'd love to share something with you or that kind of thing. And, and I love that, uh, you know, the small group teachers that she's had in, in, in Sunday school and that kind of thing have just been precious to me. Yes. The important thing is that if you have a teenage daughter, the woman you are entrusting her to yes. in that Make sure that they are reverent in their behavior. Make mm-hmm. sure that they are careful in their conversations. I mean, if you're hearing them doing a lot of criticizing of others, then that's not a good example, really, to set for your daughters. Make sure that they're not enslaved to anything but Christ and that they do teach your daughter by way of example how yeah. to follow Christ, because that's the goal here. It's not to get your daughter a buddy. It's to get someone in your daughter's life who will influence her and inspire her, really, to be that godly woman. Yes, I, I, that's, you are so right, Nancy. That's very, very important. So are you that for somebody else's daughter? Uh, you could be. Think about that today. That's that's something that is so needed today in the church. And I'm talking little c uh, church that uh, not only in your own community, but big c church as in the body of Christ. We need to do that for each other. And, and I think part of teaching, too, uh, the teaching of what is good is that next line in Titus that they uh, that they admonish. And we have talked about that word admonish before what that even means almost today in in um, the the era that we live in admonish sounds so negative doesn't it 
Uh, well, it does. It, it has more of a chastising kind of feel, but it is translated other ways as well. Uh, in the King James, it's translated teach. In the New King James, it's admonish. In the NIV, it's train. Mm-hmm. And in the NAS, it's encourage. So it's basically encouraging, training, teaching the younger women to love their husbands. And, you know, that that sounds kind of like a no-brainer, well, what do you have to teach that for? Yeah. But I tell you what, when you look at all of the negative influences through media that teach women not to respect their husbands, oh, yes. that it really is important to focus them on what God wants from you. And here's why. If you encourage your husband, if you respect him, if you do everything you can as a proper Ezra Kinnett go help meet to uh, from a position of power and support to help your husband be that spiritual leader of the household, then everybody's going to benefit. You're going to feel more secure and safe. You're going to feel more free to be able to um, be that godly woman and to express yourself. And then you would if you had this adversarial relationship with your husband. So that's why it is important to teach young women to love their husbands. And if you don't teach that, uh, the world will teach them not to is is kind of the saying. And I'll tell you what, I even back in the day, I'm going to date myself here. Oh, I won't mention what, what I learned in front of the television, but uh, even with just a few channels and no cable yet, those programs taught me uh, to disrespect any future husband I have, that that role model of uh, the wife was to sneak around behind her husband's back uh, to get into all sorts of trouble. I'm talking about you, I love Lucy. And, uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, and, and to be a non-biblical example of uh, respecting their husbands. It was all about what you could get away with. So, um, you know, I, I imagine we don't have a television, but I imagine the sitcoms today uh, show husbands and wife uh, probably about the same or uh, perhaps worse in this day and age. Oh, sure. I usually don't watch them now, but I remember back watching like Rose Roseanne or something like that. And that was another show where, you know, she was often very disrespectful to her husband and just kind of looking at him like he was an idiot. And many of our commercials, even that we watch, uh, really portray the men to be like that. Well, and the kids would would treat them that way, too. Oh, dad, he's just there for the paycheck and and Mm -hmm. we can do, you know, and and they're just uh, parents are idiots. And and especially the dad, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, the poor out of touch Neanderthal. Yeah. So it really is is hard when you're fighting upstream like that against the prevailing culture. But you know what? We're supposed to be in the world, not of it. Yeah. We are supposed to live separate lives. That's what holy means. It means set apart, separate. Um, We are to be in the world so that we can continue to share his gospel with others, to share the light of, of Jesus. But we have to make sure that we are influencing the culture rather than letting the culture influence us. Yeah. And, and, you know, there are spiritual qualities of uh, women who are those Titus II women. Um, in fact, we're going to go over a couple of them, um, but they all need to really be present to help uh, train up the next generation. And God really wants godly women who whose lives speak louder than her words. And, and uh, of course, when we say that, we mean that she does have to uh, actually uh, walk the walk and, and walk the talk. 
Um, but I tell you what, the, the words are so important, too, because we need to be sharing that, that teaching what is good, that sound doctrine. But her character is noticed, and uh, it does prompt other women to examine their own lives and uh, seek to emulate her joy, her peace, her walk, her teachings, all of that in practical ways. And so uh, we're going to look at some of the Titus two older women in the faith's lives as patterns for others uh, to use in shaping their own lives. Yeah, and I think it's sad that we do need to to go back to that, that it's not something natural for us in our Christian walks. I mean, I have to catch myself every time I start criticizing what's going on in the world, you know, what's going on in government, what's going on in Washington, D.C., and all that. And I'm having to catch myself now, you know, is, is there stuff going on that's not good? Sure, but I'm not helping anything. By criticizing it, and you really do destroy your witness for Christ if that's all that's coming out of your mouth. Remember, James says you don't get sweet and bitter water out of the same spring. <laughs> that's true. I, I, I can think of an example of that with you, my friend Nancy. I was I was uh, doing a Bible study with Connie Stample, and uh, we had just finished up uh, the uh, Jesus and his resurrection, and I was on such a mountaintop, and I remember you had come in, and we were going to do a Naomi's Table thing, and, and I know something was going on in the news that day, and I remember when you were upset about it, I thought, oh no, I'm coming off my mountaintop. <laughs> I <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, that's for okay, my dear. That. No, that's so okay. sorry. But you know, ladies, it is so easy though to um, to look at the world and and see the headlines and you know these the CNN news feeds or whatever channel you watch constantly the same news over and over and over and and bring in the pundits and bring in the the panel, if you will. I don't think that really helps us in anything. And you know what the real sin of all that is. It's not trusting God. Yeah. When you are getting all worked up about what's going on in society or what's going on in the culture, you are taking your eyes off of Jesus and you are are really um, not trusting him that he does have all of this in his hands. Now, we know as long as as Satan is alive and well on planet Earth, that Uh, maybe not all God's will is done because Jesus said, we have to pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When he returns, his will is going to be done all the time. But for right now, we need to focus on, okay, what is it you have me here to do, Lord? And what is it you want me to do? It's not to get all bogged down on politics or things like that. Do what you can, yes, and yes, you should vote. But we have greater work to do. And that is we need to be the conduit that God uses to let the Holy Spirit bring people to him. Amen. And you know, how many times have I been trapped by that myself, Nancy? I I will say that that is a a continuing struggle, but it's getting better for this old news wonk because uh, there was a time that I did get all wrapped up in in every single news headline. And I could tell you exactly the news order of things in in watching the local and national and international news. I I just really consumed all that stuff. And it makes a difference that that influence that you have in your life. And I've, I forgot 
the the joy i forgot the joy of the lord when mm. i would immerse myself in the the sin of the world and that's what it is it, and none of this is new to god the, the sin has been happening since the very beginning of the world i will say there's nothing wrong with um understanding the news events of the day absolutely mm-hmm. not uh but we talked about this yesterday that um that excess <laughs> that yeah, we can involve exactly. ourselves in and i've been there many times and uh, i'll tell you what though the the closer i get to god and the more we mature uh, in the Lord, I, I, it just uh, that other stuff tends to be uh, more in its perspective more often. I will say that. Well, Jesus did say, "Pay attention to the signs of the times." Sure. I believe in Matthew twenty-four, but we've read Revelation, or you should have read Revelation. <laughs> you, if you've read Matthew twenty-four, you know the end of the story. Yeah, you know where this is heading. You know what has to happen before the end comes Mm. and you know where you're going afterwards. Mm. So be busy about his work, doing what he puts you here to do. Like he said, when I return, how many will I find who have faith? Yeah. Amen. And you know what? Um, let, let's just go over some of the uh, kind of to wrap this up. Let's talk about what we've just covered, because the older in the faith, godly women of the church, if you look back in uh, at the book of Acts, if you want an example, there are some godly women that we can emulate. Uh, they all behaved like holy priestesses of the almighty God. They showed restraint and they uh, and discipline of appetites and words. Uh, they And they lived what they spoke so that the younger women wanting to learn from them uh, could do that and how to live and please God in their lives and families. And I, I can't emphasize enough, if you don't have kids of your own, yeah. then please go find a young mother and help her. Yeah. Help train her up. Help her with her children. Help train the children up. Uh, you are needed very, very desperately. Amen. Yes. Well, why don't we uh, give this conversation a place to um, kind of percolate a little bit. What we're going to do is we're going to take a break and get ready to do uh, probably the best thing that we can do here at Naomi's Table, and that is to sit at the feet of the Lord and just learn from Him. We've got an excellent Bible study. Beth Seifert, she's standing by with our next lesson in the book of First Samuel. So if you've got your Bible open there, we'll be right back. We equip women around the world to nurture others with the word. Want to partner with Naomi's Table? Consider being a business partner. Details at Naomi'sTable.com. It's time to pull up a chair and open your Bible for today's Bible study segment of Naomi's Table. Gather around and let's begin. Well, we are here with Beth Seifert. She's our Bible study teacher, and she is taking us through 1 Samuel. It's a wonderful Bible study. You can find all the notes on our Bible studies tab, along with the podcasts. And we just highly encourage you to use the materials and have your own guided Bible studies. Thanks for joining us, Beth. Thanks, Amy. Well, today we're going to see Samuel as a young boy, and we're going to see that famous passage from the Bible where God speaks to Samuel. This is one of those passages that is in, oh, pretty much every children's book ever written. Um, it's one of those ones that we like to see, we like to hear, because it reminds us that God may come to us in ways that we do not expect. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to First Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. 
One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am, and he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called, Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. All right, I stopped here today because I don't want to get into what the Lord tells Samuel just yet. Of course, you can always open your Bibles and read ahead and find out. But for today, I just want to focus on these 10 verses. First of all, I love this scene. It shows so many things. Now, a teeny bit of background is given as to the time of night we are looking at. The lamp referred to, when it says the lamp, the lamp of God has not gone out yet, the lamp referred to is a golden lampstand which stood opposite God's presence in the temple. Its light shone all night and then it went out somewhere around dawn. So we know it isn't dawn yet, but probably is in the early morning hours. Now, on to some neat things that this tells us. We know that the Israelites were distant from God's voice during this time. We are told that God's word was rare. That means that God hadn't spoken through one of his prophets for a while. In fact, there are only a couple of prophets even mentioned in the entire time of the judges ruling over Israel. This also shows us Samuel's obedience, even when he doesn't understand what is going on. He was woken from sleep by a voice calling his name. Instead of begging for five more minutes, Eli, just five more minutes to sleep, he immediately gets up and goes to see what is required of him. He doesn't ask questions like, why are you waking me up in the middle of the night? He just goes to Eli, stands there and says, um, Eli, here I am. You called and I came. Can you hear Eli's sleep confused voice? Samuel, what are you doing here? Me? No, I didn't call you. You were dreaming. Go back to sleep and let me get some more rest too. What's funny is that it takes this happening three times before Eli wakes himself up enough to really question what's going on. When he does, I give him credit for responding appropriately. Eli didn't say, hey, I'll come on with you. We can both talk to God. He respected that God wanted to talk to Samuel, and he helped Samuel understand what was going on here, too. Verse 7 tells us that Samuel did not yet know God. Now, here's something very, very interesting. The Hebrew form of the word know in this passage is yada. Now brace yourselves here, because this is the same know that is used in Genesis when Adam knew his wife and she conceived. This particular Hebrew word is used to describe all kinds of knowing from to perceive, to consider, 
and to be revealed. So this verse isn't saying that Samuel doesn't know who God is. In chapter two, we saw that Samuel was in the presence of the Lord. So this doesn't mean he hadn't heard of God. It means that he hadn't entered into a direct interaction with God. The kind of interaction that we will see is very frequent in his adult years. But this was the first time that God revealed himself to Samuel in this way. Basically, we are being told that this is the first time that God spoke to Samuel, and it was important enough for God to speak to Samuel as a boy. God knew Samuel could handle it. He knew what he was doing. Another cool thing that I noticed when we're reading these verses in verse 10, the Lord came and stood there. Did you catch that? God is standing there in Samuel's bedroom, calling his name. We have instances in the Bible where God speaks through a wind or a bush, but here, God is standing there. Now, we know that God does not have a physical body, but we also know he does have a presence and existence. So what this is telling us is that this stand used here can also be translated as present yourself or to be present. It wasn't just God's voice that Samuel heard. God's very presence was there with Samuel. Wow, Samuel was a very special child. I don't know many children who wouldn't run screaming from their bedroom if God's presence was in their bedroom. But Samuel held his own, and he was ready for what God wanted from him. Samuel didn't even know what God wanted yet, but he was ready. How was Samuel so calm in the presence of God? Simple. He'd been in the presence of God his whole life. God was familiar to him. He had spent his time learning about God, growing in stature and in maturity with God. So when God calls to him, Samuel can be calm because even though this is the creator of the universe calling to him, Samuel is familiar with God. So today, as you go through your, your walk today, my question may seem obvious. Is God calling to you? Now, here's the trick. Do you know his voice so well that you recognize it? Or are you running around trying to find out where that call is coming from? Is he calling you to something specific? Are you ready for what God wants from you, even if you don't know what that is? Look at how calm Samuel was about allowing God to work here. Are you that calm? Am I that calm? Are you ready to hand God the reins and listen to where he's leading you? Even if it doesn't make sense and you'd rather roll over and get more sleep? Samuel answered the call and he gets to spend his life in communion with God that we may not be able to experience in the same way today, but that doesn't mean we can't have any less, we can have any less of a real relationship with God. We can still have the peace that Samuel had. We can still have that calm and confidence in who our God is. But in order to do that, we have to be spending time in his word. We must be digging in so that we can recognize the truth from the lies, the voice of God from the noise of the world. After all, as John chapter 10 verses 25 through 30 says, Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. 
My father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of the father's hand. And I and the father are one. How do we recognize God's voice when he's calling to us? We know his voice because we are his sheep, because we've been spending time in his word, and we recognize when what he is calling us to is in line with his word. His sheep know him when he calls. And the promise is amazing. No one will snatch us from his hand because his father has given us to him. We can't know him unless we've been learning from and about him. If you aren't spending time with the one who created you, it's time to start. Open your Bible for yourself. Read what his word has to tell you today. Don't take my word for it. Don't take anyone else's word for it. No sermon, no pastor is infallible. Open your Bible and see what he has for you so that you will recognize his voice when he calls. Well, thank you, Beth. And Beth's study guides, as well as the 10-minute podcasts of these presentations, are all available in our archives under the Bible Studies tab of our website, naomistable.com. Nancy and I will be back with more on this in just a moment. Naomi's Table is 100% listener-supported, serving women around the world thanks to our listeners' generous gifts. Go to our website, naomistable.com, and click on the support button. And thank you for equipping us to equip women. The food is ready. Now, back to Naomi's Table. Welcome back to the table. And in that segment prior, we heard what is lesson eight that you'll, if you're looking for the notes on our uh, website, naomistable.com. This one is titled, Heard of God, Hears from God. A great title to uh, talk about what Samuel experienced as a young boy where the Lord actually came and stood there at the foot of his bed, and uh, Samuel had a face-to-face experience with the very presence of God. And, and, uh, you know, as Beth pointed out, how could he stay so calm? Yeah, and it's interesting because Samuel was so young. I mean, he was, what, maybe 11, 12 or so at this time. And remember that uh, at the beginning of this section, it mentions that they really had not heard from God in a long time. Yeah. Now, I know in um, yesterday's lesson, the the guy had come to Eli and told him, uh, basically uh, prophesied to him, your whole family is going to be wiped out because yeah. of the wickedness you have allowed your sons to do. And so it wasn't completely unheard of, but as it it is worded here, it was very rare that anyone would hear a word from God. Yeah. So to have him actually standing there at the bedroom calling to Samuel was really remarkable. And of course, Samuel, because he's so young, he did not yet uh, recognize God's voice. He did not know God. And the word she mentioned here is yada, the Hebrew word. That was the same word used for when Adam and Eve had sex and conceived children. So it's a very intimate word, a very uh, intimate knowing. And he did not yet have that kind of relationship with God yet, although he was well on the way. Yeah, I think you had pointed out on on one of our our previous programs that at some point, uh, maybe we ought to rethink our language when we joke around and say, and you know, and so forth, and yada, yada, yada. And maybe maybe that's not such godly (laughs) language. 
language coming out of our mouths when you, when you think about this word no and that that deep intimacy and and the thing that is so cool is that we can have that we don't have to be a, a prophet like Samuel was we now because of Jesus Christ we can know him because of the holy spirit living in yes. us absolutely Yes. And so, yes, this this, uh, this knowledge that he didn't have, he didn't have a relationship yet with God, but he was about to. And uh, what a great story as it, as it unfolds. And, and she asks so many great questions, you know, do we know him? Mm-hmm. And I think the great way to look at this is he knew all about God at yes. this point. He knew all about him, but he didn't yet have that direct interaction with God. So this is a huge step for Samuel in his in his relationship with God. Uh, and, you know, when you think that um, Hannah had trained him upright, <laughs> Eli was training him upright in the temple so that he was able to hear that voice. Eli couldn't hear it. Now, he wasn't sleeping in the same room, but still, I would think if someone is standing there nearby saying, Samuel, Samuel, you're going to wake up and say, what's going on yeah. here? So, um, But Eli didn't wake up until Samuel came in thinking it was Eli saying, yes, I'm I'm here. What is it that you would like? And, and he, Eli was too sleepy, really, to realize what was going on until the third time. But then he realized what is happening and he tells Samuel how to respond properly. Yeah. And Samuel, uh, you know, he didn't know what was going on, but Eli did. I, or mm-hmm. at least at this point in the story, he um, got an inkling that, you know what, this really is the God creator, uh, Abba Father, wanting to speak to Eli. And he didn't say, hey, wait a minute. Why don't? Why doesn't he want to speak to me? I'm I'm going back in there with him. No, he mm. he knew enough to send Eli back. Yeah, and he had just received that message from another yeah. man of God the other day. So, um, you know, it's interesting. And she asked some really good questions of us as we look at this. Do we recognize God's voice? Yeah. Or are we just running around trying to figure out where that voice is coming from? <laughs> and sometimes we're just running around, you know, or ignoring it and saying, oh, yeah, I didn't really hear that. Yeah. And when we say hear and when we say no, um, you can know God's voice by studying his word. And ladies, I know that there are some teachings out there that they, that teach you to go into the silence and um, be able to hear voices. Those are those can be very dangerous. I, I just want to caution you. And we've talked about that before. Uh, when we do that, we need to be very, very careful. But you know what? Safely, you can know God's word by knowing his word. And so that's what we try to do here at Naomi's Table is open up the Bible. Bible, and if you want to see what God has to say, boy, his letters in those 66 books, many different authors were uh, had that divine uh, you know, inspiration from God. And that's what we need. We need that sufficiency of the word. word. Uh, we can trust that if, if you're getting an inkling of uh, God uh, showing you something or speaking to you, open up your Bible and make sure that what you have uh, sensed uh, in your spirit is something that really lines up with Scripture. Yes, his sheep are trained to recognize his voice. And if we spend time in his word, we are going to be trained up to recognize that voice. And what we hear is going to match up with what we've read in the Bible. 
You know, interestingly, uh, Nancy and I have a friend named Elijah Abraham, a dear man who uh, lives, uh, well, we've met his wife, Cindy Abraham, and uh, she's been at the table before. Uh, Elijah grew up in Baghdad, Iraq, and uh, he grew up a Muslim man and knows all about the Middle East. He's a born-again Christian now who reaches out to Muslims, but he tells the story about, you know, the uh, growing up in, in his area about sheep and shepherds, and he uh, experienced quite a bit of that in, in his homeland. And I'll tell you what, the, the story that he tells about the different shepherds and the way they call their sheep, you know, another sheep uh, group from another, uh, you know, herd or pen or whatever it is, uh, they would not follow the voice of a shepherd that they didn't know. Mm-hmm. And and so he does this demonstration. I'm not going to do it on the radio, but he does this thing where he, he demonstrates what a sheep call might sound like. Uh, from different shepherds, and so uh, you know, if if you've got a shepherd who's who's speaking truth, and uh, you know the other sheep aren't going to follow that, but but his own sheep will. Very very interesting analogy, and I, I love that because I believe that's really what Jesus was talking about. If you know Jesus Christ, uh, you're going to follow him. And when we do uh, see what he wants us to do through reading his word. Are we ready? Are we yeah. going to obey right away like Samuel did, just jumping up and running in saying, yes, yes, what is it? Yeah. Uh, or are we going to say, oh, yeah, I'll get to that? Or like I said earlier, no, he's not really. I didn't really hear yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other question uh, that she raised is, are we going to do it in calm? Mm. I mean, like you said before, how are you going to know? You got to be in the word and you got to take it back to the word and make sure that it is him and not some false spirit and that you are ready. To do what he wants. Yeah, it, it's called uh, discernment, and that's one of the things that we talk about a lot at the table. How can you know? Can you know? Can you know? And everything really comes down to the authority of Scripture. So, um, what many people really don't realize, or, or it doesn't really hit them till later, is that Jesus gave us His most amazing gift of all, and uh, it, and it's not wisdom, and it's not you know any spiritual thing that we can be getting, except that He He gave us this opportunity uh, to spend eternity with God if we trust him, if we know him, if we understand and put our faith in him alone. And so uh, it's an incredible, the gospel message is so rich with all parts of it. And and I'll tell you what, ladies, um, that relationship, that full pardon of sins, when, you know, when we repent and and, uh, have forgiveness of those sins, that relationship just blossoms and grow. And that's not just for one time either. We can do that daily. Um, Not that we ever lose our standing with him. But you know, those times when we get off track, those times when we haven't been ab- abiding in the Lord, we can repent of that. What, whatever we've done instead of putting him first, we can repent daily and uh, have that blessed forgiveness of sins and walk with him. And like she pointed out, we have that assurance that no one can snatch us from his hand once we are truly his. Amen. Well, I think this is a good place to leave it at the table for now. I know we need to take a little bit of a break. When we come back, we're going to have some final scripture verses to strengthen your walk. We'll be right back. We equip women around the world to nurture others with the word. Want to partner with Naomi's Table? Consider being a business partner. Details at Naomi'sTable.com. Got a minute? I'm Pat Hess with a Matthew Minute. Matthew 21, 42. 
Jesus said to them, Have you never read in scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. Often those who seem to be in the know are those who are really in the dark. There are many who reject the foundation of God for the universe. There are many who reject the idea that all good things, the universe, the church, the family, etc., have a foundational cornerstone in Jesus Christ. Without this cornerstone, nothing that is would be. Without Jesus, nothing is held up, nothing works together, and nothing has meaning, purpose, or value. When we live in a world that chooses not to understand this, we live in a constant state of confusion. Supposedly smart people try to have no foundation for life. They try to make randomness the rule for the systems that work, and they try to give meaning and purpose to the meaningless and purposeless, and value to the unimportant. When Christ is rejected, life is worthless. I'm Pat Hess, and minute by minute we'll go through the book of Matthew at Naomi's table. No junk food served here. Now, back to Naomi's table. Welcome back to the table. In this final segment, we're going to leave you with some scripture verses to strengthen you for your day. And by the way, if you have anything that you would like to talk with us about, if you've got any questions about Naomi's Table, you can just give us a call, 1-800-979-9010 and hit 109 when you get to our radio station or send us an email at connect at naomistable.com. All right, Nancy's got her Bible open. Nancy, what are we ending with today? Well, I think it's important when we talk about recognizing his voice and being ready when he returns. Uh, This is a great passage. It's Matthew 24, 36 through 44. And it really reminds us of, of how we are to be spending our time until he returns. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Mm. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Nancy, that's a great way to leave it for this Friday afternoon. And I I just hope, ladies, that that inspires you to dig deeper in the word. It really does nourish our walk. And and I will say, too, on Monday, uh, Nancy and I are going to be talking about, um, you know, we we nourish our, our, our spirits and our souls with the word of God. What about the temple? What about the body? So we're, we're talking about uh, some things to do physically that, that will help us in our walk with God as well. How do those two things tie together? Well, you are going to have to tune in on Monday to Naomi's Table. Until then, have a blessed weekend in the Lord. 
Thank you for joining us today at Naomi's Table. We encourage you to head over to Naomi'sTable.com for resources, articles, Bible study guides, and much more. Until next time, be equipped and encouraged in God's Word.